nice if we could just stay in touch with God when everything is right. But it's an amazing paradox that crises have a way of drawing us to God in a way that times the prosperity don't. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Come and join us in the sanctuary as we listen in on a dynamic word from our senior pastor, Dr. Gina M. Stewart. I want to put a tag on verse 14. The Lord, somebody said the Lord. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I want to talk today from the subject, go in the strength you have. Why don't you just recite my title to your neighbor? Tell him, go in the strength you have. Here is one of those all too common stories in scripture that so appropriately illustrates what can happen whenever the people of God choose to treat God like a last resort, a good luck charm, or for emergency purposes only. It is a story, Minister Taylor, about what can happen when God's people chase after other gods and displace God as the center of our lives, making family, military, country, money, job, work, school, possessions, or relationships. Not that anything is wrong with any of those things. The problem is when we place them or rank them in the wrong order. The book of Judges is a book about sin, its consequences, and what can happen as the text says on numerous occasions when every person does what is right in their own eyes. Such was the case with Gideon from the tribe of Manasseh who lived during the time when the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. The Bible tells us that for seven years, somebody says seven years, He gave them into the hands of the Midianites. The Midianites' oppression was so severe and so cruel that many of the Israelites, these are God's people, had moved into caves and hiding places to escape the victimization and harsh treatment of their oppressors. At the time of this text, Gideon was functioning as a one-man underground operation threshing wheat in the wine press, trying to hide it from their oppressors. The Midianites, who were descendants of Midian, you need to know this, Abraham's son by his African wife, Keturah. Abraham had another wife other than Sarah named Keturah, who had a son named Midian. And Midianites are the descendants of Midian. They have swept into the Israelite territory like a locust plague and have taken them hostage, don't miss this, in their own territory. Now, it's a, it's a terrible thing when your enemy can take you hostage on your own turf. It's one thing to be taken hostage in enemy territory. Come on now. But it's a terrible thing when the enemy can take you hostage on your own turf. The Midianites had such a tight grip on the Israelites that Gideon is threshing grain in the wine press to keep it from falling into the hands of their enemies. The crisis that Gideon and his people 
are facing is one that they have orchestrated themselves. Touch yourself and say some stuff I do to myself. I know we don't like to admit this because it's always easier to blame other folk. Come on, talk to me now for our problem. But some things, come on here, we orchestrate ourselves. Some trouble we find ourselves in, it ain't nobody's fault but ours. It ain't the devil's fault. It ain't the person sitting on your pew's fault. It ain't your church member's fault. It ain't your husband or your wife. It ain't nobody's fault. Not even your haters. Come on here. You know we love to blame our haters. But some of this ain't even our haters' fault. Some of this stuff we orchestrate ourselves. They've orchestrated this crisis that they're in because they have been through a pattern of sorry episodes that often fought, that befell them without the leadership of Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. These were the children of that generation. Who the Bible says, as a matter of fact, at the beginning of this book, it said they did not know their God. And so God delivers them from a crisis. And deliverance is followed by a season of prosperity. And prosperity leads not to gratitude and obedience, but complacency and apathy. And from complacency and apathy to forgetfulness, and from forgetfulness to sin. And so because of their sin, they repeatedly fall into idolatry and foreign political domination and intermarriage with pagans and other sins. When we fail to keep God central in our lives, when we fail to, as we say, give honor to God, who's the head of our life. You know, we're good with saying that. Good of giving honor to God, who's the head of our life. But he got to be more, he has to be more than just the first line in a welcome. If God's going to really be the head, I don't hear nobody saying nothing. Of my life, it has to be more than just the first line in a welcome. He really has to be first, come on now, in rank and priority. Which means that God has to occupy a central place in our lives. And whenever God does not occupy a central place in our life, whenever God is pushed to the margins... Of our life. When God occupies a peripheral place of priority in our lives, you can just about expect that this other stuff, all hell, is going to break loose. Because when there's no sense of God consciousness, we are more susceptible to idolatry, to sin, and those things that create alienation in our relationship with God. And so they find themselves... Repeatedly falling into our doctrine. They know better. Touch your neighbor and say they knew better. I, I know these folk had to be black. They knew better. They had, and, and they much like us. Because when we find ourselves, it ain't because we don't know better. Look at somebody say, I know better. Most of us in this room know better. It's, the difference is not just knowing better, it's doing better. Wasn't like they didn't know. Wasn't like God, ain't Ruby, had made his his way plain and clear to them, but they, they repeatedly fall into idolatry and foreign political domination and intermarriage with pagans and other sins. And in God's anger, in God's anger, God hands Israel over to its enemies. From the pain of oppression, Israel repents and cries out to help. God hears the cry. For a helper, a judge, or a freedom fighter, victory ushers in a period of prosperity, and the pattern repeats himself. 
repeats itself. So they go through this vicious cycle of going into a crisis, crying out to God for help. God sends help, and then they have a period or season where they act right, and then the pattern repeats itself. At the time that we read about Gideon in today's text, Israel has once again forgotten about God and relapsed into disobedience and fallen under the judgment of God, which results in the oppression and victimization by the Midianites. The effects of their attacks against the Israelites are described in great detail in these chapters. They steal their livestock. They destroyed their crops. They invade their land, causing the Israelites to flee the cave in their territory. Somebody said, in their territory. The presence of the Midianites brings on economic devastation. And it is at this low moment in Israel's life that they cry out to God for help. Have you noticed how crises have such an amazing way of bringing us to the foot of the cross? It, it would really be nice if we could just stay in touch with God when everything is right. But it's an amazing paradox that crises have a way of drawing us to God in a way that times of prosperity don't. Don't get quiet. I mean, we don't mean no harm. Touch your neighbor and say, we don't mean no harm. You know, I have to, I have to repent to God all the time and, and say, you know, God, I, I, you know, I know you need to hear from me. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You know, it's, it's easy to kind of just, God, he, we don't push him completely out of our lives. We just kind of put him in the rearview mirror. Come on now. It's, but it's amazing how we draw dear to God when we're in trouble. Come on. I'm talking to somebody now. It's amazing how our prayer life increased and how we pull Bibles off the shelf. And out the back window of the car, y'all ain't saying nothing. And go back and get notes that we ain't read. From the last Bible study or Sunday school lesson, when trouble comes. Because crisis, I wish I had somebody talk to me, have a way of making you draw near to God. Crisis have an interesting way of bringing us to the foot of the cross because God often answers us in confounding and surprising ways. And it is against the backdrop of this crisis that God calls a single individual, Gideon. The same young man now who was threshing grain in a wine press, don't miss this, to make a difference. Now, if you and I were God, Gideon would be the last one we'd call. Because he hiding. He's scared. He is a zero that God is trying to make a hero. Verse 12, it's in the text, says that the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. Whoa, I'm about to shout out my shoes. In the wine press where he's hiding and says to Gideon, the Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor. And Gideon is protesting what God calls him. Because God calls him something that he is not living up to. How you going to call me a mighty man of valor and I'm hiding from the enemy, come on here, in the wine press. God sees Gideon as a mighty warrior. A testament, not just to Gideon, but to some of us. That God often sees us possessing the strength for the crisis that we don't even think we have. You all look at somebody and say, God sees something in you that you don't even see in yourself. 
Oh, come on out of here, Gideon. Some of y'all hiding in wine presses and hiding from the enemy. When God has declared that you are a mighty man or a mighty woman of valor. Gideon didn't share God's estimation. He totally missed out, like so many of us, on God's lofty view of him. So often God sees us one way and we see ourselves another way. And we do it in the way we self-depreciate ourselves. Girl, that sure is a pretty dress. Oh, this old thing right here. We have a tendency to self-depreciate ourselves. I'm not necessarily saying that you ought to brag on yourself all the time. Because we don't want you to always be the topic of every conversation. We don't want you to be unduly subjective. Like one of my seminary professors said, we don't want your conversation to be so self-centered. That every word, every other word is I. But the, on the other hand, we should not participate in such self-depreciating conversation that we miss out on the lofty view that God has of us. Oh, y'all don't know when to shout. Look at your neighbor and say, God sees you in a way that you have never imagined. And despite what others may say about you or what others have told you or what tape is playing in your mind, I've come to announce to somebody that God has a lofty view of you. The reason why his view of you is so lofty is because he made you. He created you in his image. You have royal blood coursing through your veins. You are an heir and a joint heir. Seated in heavenly places with Christ. Woo, I wish y'all knew when to shout. I'm not just seated in heavenly place, but I'm seated with Christ Jesus. Ah, I'm a son and a daughter of Abraham. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can have. Come on, I need to hear from you, mighty women and men of valor. Sees you in a way that you don't even see yourself. Sees you on a stage singing before thousands. And we asking God to give us an audience with a hundred. Sees you in a place where you're not only working for the business, but you're running the business. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Sees you letting making somebody else, instead of making somebody else rich, seeing showing you how to make your own cheese. I wish somebody could get this and say, God sees me in a way that I don't see myself. Notice what Gideon says to the Lord. He said, listen here, God. If the Lord is with us. Just raising a question. Why is all this stuff happening to us? And furthermore, because Gideon was an Israelite, where are all the miracles that y'all told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The angel's dialogue with Gideon seems curiously out of step or inconsistent with Gideon's existential reality. The reason why it seems curiously out of step and inconsistent is because God, Crystal, is calling him a mighty man of valor and he is fitting the profile of a coward. God sees him as a hero and he's acting like a zero. God, see, Lord, I'm, I'm feeling this here. Sees Gideon as a leader and he's acting like a loser. And so Gideon is saying to God, in so many words, if I could translate it in the common vernacular, God, you must see something that I don't see. You ever felt like that when God is telling you stuff? 
I know God talked to some of y'all in here. He, he says some things to you that you say, I can't even say this out loud. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I can't even say this out loud because there are people in my circle that would think I have actually lost my mind to even utter such things in public that God has told me that he's seen in me. But I need to help you understand that God sees something in you that you don't even see in yourself and what other folk don't see in you, don't see in you. God has a far more lofty view of you. And Gideon is saying to God, how can you be with us when all this stuff is happening? I'm sneaking, trying to eke out a living Sneaking, trying to get some bread and some crackers. Working in the shadow. And not only that, I'm from the smallest tribe. There is nothing distinctive about the tribe of Manasseh. And you calling me a mighty man of valor? I'm sure that somebody here is feeling Gideon's frustration. How many times in our individual and collective lives has it seemed that the vicissitudes and valleys of life seem to shrink and overshadow our view of God? How many times has God actually looked like the incredible shrinking God? When we look at the vicissitudes and valleys of our life, it's amazing to me how our situations can cause our view of God to shrink based on the severity or the intensity of the situation that we may be facing. It is not unusual for our view of God to shrink when we view it beside the vicissitudes and valleys of life. I mean, how many times have we really wondered, like Gideon, God, if you with us, where are your footprints? Come on, talk to me. I'm looking for the real people. God, if you with us, where is the evidence that you are present and active, not just in my life, but in the world? See, because when you begin to see God for who God is, you, you begin to understand that God not just concerned about your life. God is concerned about the world. And when you begin to, to, to hear these uh, charges like God makes to Gideon, one of the questions we ask is, where is the evidence that you're present and active in the world? Another way of saying it is, God, where are you when we need you the most? We know you from everlasting to everlasting. We know you stepped out on nothing and made something. We know that creation is an example of ex nihilo, where you stepped out on nothing and created something out of nothing. We know that you flung the stars in their silvery sockets. We know that you're from everlasting to everlasting. We know that Moses said that from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. We know that before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou had formed the earth and the world, you are the God who never sleeps nor slumbers. We know that you are the God. God who never grows weary and who gives power to the family. We know all of that. But Deacon Cooper, some of us still have questions. Questions like, where was God when the terrorists blew up the World Trade Center? Where was God when Boko Haram kidnapped those Nigerian girls? Where was God? When all those African-American men that those young people talked about lost their lives in subways on the streets of New York on, in the Canefield Apartments in St. Louis, Missouri. Where was God? During the Middle Passage when millions of slaves lost their lives. Where was God? When innocent victims were beheaded by ISIS. Where was God when planes were dropping out of the sky? They can find your house on an iPad. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You can find somebody's house on an iPad. You can find your iPhone. Ain't nobody talking to me. Lose your iPhone and go get the app that says, where my phone? And dee, 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 dee. 
I wish I had somebody to know about technology. They can find your iPhone, find whatever they want, but they can't find a big whole plane. Somebody say a big whole plane. A whole plane with 300 some odd, as my grandma would say, passengers that have dropped into the sea. Where was God? When people were beaten within an inch of their lives just because they wanted the right to vote. Where was God? When according to the Children's Defense Fund, every 36 seconds, a child is born into poverty. Every minute a baby is born to a teenage mother, every eight minutes a child is arrested for violent crimes. Every three hours a child or teen is killed with a gun and every five hours a child or teen commits suicide. We trust God. We believe God. Cognitively we know that God is all that, but we still got some questions. And I'm just looking for a few folk in here that still can trust God, but still got some questions. That, 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 that know that God is not intimidated by your I'm looking for the Job's in the house. People that sometimes wonder why stuff happens like it happens and people suffer unnecessarily and people go through struggle unnecessarily. We, we believe God. Look at your neighbor and say, I believe God. I love God. I ain't going to renounce him. Let me, let me put this in the atmosphere for the devil. Just in case he think he's going to get busy because I'm acting like a theologian now and raising questions. Because faith will make a theologian out of you. Faith will make you wrestle with life contradictions. Faith will make you ask some questions that you can't even get an answer for. But let me send a clear signal to the devil because I know he's listening. Because he ain't nothing but a liar and a, and a cheat and somebody that's always trying to steal God's glory. Let me be clear that even if I don't get the answer, I'm still going to serve him. Let me be clear. Look at somebody say, let me be clear. Let me be clear that though he slayed me, I'm still going to try. Let me be clear that if I can bless God and die, I'm still going to bless him and live. I will bless the Lord. Can I preach like I feel it? At all times. And his praise is still going to be in my mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm still going to praise him even with my unanswered questions. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray that you were tremendously blessed by the word. Like what you've heard? You can purchase this message by visiting www.christmbc.org store or by emailing us at orders at christmbc.org. Be sure to mention the title of the message. We are one church in two locations. Join us at one of our two locations at 8 a.m. at our east location at the Esplanade Memphis located at 901 Cordova Station, Cordova, Tennessee 38018 or at 10 a.m. at our south location located at 480 South Parkway East, Memphis, Tennessee 38106. May God continue to bless you is our prayer.